Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Talking to my dear friend Lilla Rogers. I just have so many great memories of actually being in person able to talk to you. But thank you for being here today over the distance. You're most, most welcome, Margot. And remember when you were here in my studio and we filmed? Yes, that was 2015 already. We Lilla and I teach a wonderful class. Lilla just teaches all sorts of wonderful classes, but um her her teaching business is called Make Art That Sells. And I just, I mean, I talk about it every day, pretty much comes up every day for me. (laughs) Margo, it's so good to be with you. We just get to hang out and talk. And Mm -hmm. I hear that this podcast series is going crazy well. Thank you. People really seem to respond. I think what they like is the, is the real life aspect and hopefully, you know, seeing some of themselves in, in, in the paths along the way. So. That's good. And the conversation. Yes. It is. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. you've had a good one. I I I know we have a we you you mention in your courses like you've done this and done that, but I would love to know Lilla like how like did it start with your mom? Like did she encourage you? Did you have a favorite teacher? Like how did you start? Did you do on your math papers? Well, like what happened? And you, your mom was an influence on you too, she right? Was. I'm going to interview the best. you. <laughs> Please do. Flip it, we have good mamas. Um, we have good mamas who were successful with biz mm-hmm. and in art business and stuff. And um, so she was a fantastic role model. And uh, when, when she, so at one point she had tons of employees and, was interviewed by BBC and on TV and this and that and by Terry Gross on oh. uh, NPR. And, um, but I remember when I was in eighth grade, she started, this was in 1968 or 69. She started, she got a, a phone, which was a landline at that time. Yeah. It, she got a phone in the dining room business phone. And I was just telling my son to try to put it in, t- in terms he could understand like what it was like for a housewife. Yeah, they're called. Yes. To 
think enough of herself to get a phone, a business line. I explained it like for a woman to do that, it was sort of like if your cat got a business line or a three-year-old. It was like women were just unheard of generally as um have and and I remember she got grief, but she was fantastic. And it taught me that everybody you see that's successful started out with getting the phone line or carving out a desk, an area in, in the living room or something. So what was her business, Lola? It was Smoke Enders. It was a smoking cessation program that was very highly regarded right. in the That's 60s right. 70s. And she gave private lessons to Leonard Bernstein and Lauren Bacall and Ben Bradley, editor of the Washington mm-hmm. Post, and just lots of amazing people. It was a wonderful life for her. That's it was so an amazing great. program. I learned a ton about teaching from her because it was t- a 10-week course, and I learned about an intense teaching. Yeah. Uh, motivation, visualizing, making it matter to people mm. why they were quitting smoking. Why, and don't forget at that time, smoking was still very stylish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I learned a lot. Well, those words that you say, they translate directly, you know, don't they? To To certainly what you do. I feel like your style of teaching is so... It's so joyful. I mean, and you stand for for the person you're teaching. It's not like, here, let me show you what I can do. It's like, here, let me show you what you can do. Oh, my God. That's a great tagline, Margot. That is so good. Let me show you what you can do. Yeah. Well, I I trick you into doing your best work. You do, but it's so fun. It's so playful. You know, make these color blobs or, you know, find something in your sewing box or whatever it is. It's got to be fun. It's freaking art, for God's sakes. Exactly. Got to be joyful. Doesn't mean, and I say this often, doesn't have to be happy face. Right. And like everything is so, it can be deep and moody. It, it can be, be politically powerful. Mm-hmm. And I hope it is all of those exactly. things. But your hat, like I did a piece on the the meeting that put together the plan for the Holocaust. Mm. or a national public TV magazine wow, in the 80s or 90s. That was, you know, I did one on um, sociopaths, mm-hmm. um, just lots of things like that too. But you have to be, and maybe joy isn't the right word always, but impassioned, passionate, mm-hmm. um, connect. And I always felt when I was an illustrator, like I was an actor, had to get in the role. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I had to get in the part, the role, the feelings, the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you're illustrating the meeting that decided the Holocaust, you have to you have to put aside your you have to put yourself there and imagine if you're going to draw that. What the heck? Well, I drew the generals mm-hmm. where you could sort of see the the skulls of their faces. Oh wow. It was partly their faces, partly their skulls. Mm, powerful. And the colors I used. I mean, I was sobbing, of course. Yeah. Being Jewish, it was. Yeah. And I was born 10 years after the Holocaust. So it was really, it wasn't. Very real. Yeah, very real. So your path to these assignments and these projects, I mean, I know you, you always forged your, you know, took the road less traveled, which is you know, my favorite way to go. But how did that 
how do you get there? Like, how did you get to the place where you were doing these things? I mean, some of it, I think, is where we live in the world, because and especially at that time, it's like your mom teaching smoking cessation in Mm -hmm. living in that area and you living on the East Coast where where the, you know, publications were and things like that. And my, you know, when I used to show it shows where the where I knew the press would be. And but but of course, it only works if you're bringing your best game and they love what that game is. So how did that all kind of well, come I together? Went to art school on the West Coast. That's right. Both times and had to move to New York and leave my beloved Berkeley and San Francisco. That's right. It was different than it wasn't tech. There was no tech. It was hippies and flower children and art and cheap rent yeah Mm, but that probably made you look different than the other east coasters too you know because you brought that yes it had a very different sensibility Mm -hmm. it was more colorful Mm -hmm. um the ethnicities of the west coast are different than the east coast hispanic Mm -hmm. um native american uh Asian. Yes, for sure. Um, it was very different. And then coming East and New York is, you know, in, in the eighties, it was a pretty grimy city. Mm-hmm. That was tough, but I had to go there because yeah. that's where, okay. People that are listening, there was, there was no internet. There were no computers. There was the, no email, no cell phones. You had to actually go to a place, mm-hmm. pick up the phone, the landline, <laughs> get out the New York phone book, the Manhattan phone book. You had to get a hold of that. That was job one. That was like the biggest thing of your career yeah. and a, an answering machine. That was the tech. <laughs> and you would, I love telling about the olden days. So <laughs> it's crazy. And you had to go, you called up and tried to get an appointment to show your portfolio. Yeah, which was great. I mean, I've been inside every major magazine, top at huge fancy ad agency, little cool downtown design firms. I don't know. I I was able to get inside all, all those. Too bad I didn't have a cell phone to be able to document everything. Exactly right. Well, and I think it's when you when you're putting yourself in front of them in in the old days, you you would see they would see you. You know, they would see your energy and your. It wasn't just opening a website. Right. See that. And I, and I remember I was a West Coast art student and my teachers would all say, if you're going to make it work, if you're going to make it in this business, you have to move to New York. You have, that's it. That's your next step. I was like, ah. <laughs> no, and I didn't want to. But then, of course, I loved it once I was there. I mean, and then over time, the opportunities yeah. were just enormous. It was just getting richer and richer just mm, got to do some really really cool things and I feel like with the style that you brought to it and once people got to see like oh man this really makes my article stand out or my brand stand out her lettering makes people look then you know hot ticket yeah it was so scary in the beginning because I didn't know my style was not what was happening at the time it was very airbrushed. It was very traditional, yeah. except for a few people. There were a handful of some really, really cool people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, and I saw that they were beginning to get gigs. 
So I thought, well, maybe there's hope. Yeah. And yeah. maybe, but I don't, you know, am I as good as they are now? Right. We never think that, do we? Yeah, maybe I'm not. I don't know. Wow, I'm amazing. No, I suck. Right. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> uh, and then you do that piece, you're like, okay, this is hopeless. What am I doing? And get depressed. And then you do like a beautiful piece. You're like, yeah, I think I can do it. So, you know, it's really crazy until they start paying you. And then right. you're like, my self-esteem and confidence, boom. Yeah. Yeah. And you are like, how did, how did you find your inspiration in, in that time when you had all those things to do? I mean, you lived in New York, so that, that yeah, helps. I mean, I'll never forget the Paul Clay exhibit. I think it was at the Met. Just amazing. It was profound. And just, I mean, walking down the streets, um, the interior design, the architecture, the people, the style, mm-hmm. um, even like a bakery with just incredible mm-hmm beautifully designed pastries or something it was just like everything yeah somebody was dressed walking down the street and and you know just seeing what other illustrators were doing in magazines at the time that was like a golden age for magazine illustration it was very avant-garde very european a lot of europeans had come over yeah that's what i love about new york i think it's our definitely our most european city for sure it was Western Europe and Eastern Europeans who came over and they had a sensibility that was really incredible and beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was great. And you can just drink all that in and mm-hmm. and take it take it into your work. I I did end up moving to New York a little later than than I should have probably, but um I just it was such a wonderful melting pot of all that and just walk pick any street to walk down and the inspiration is you can find it you know, from a manhole cover to a peeling paint to a sign lettering to to little literally Chinatown. Oh, so good. Yeah. Soho no ho. Yeah. Um what year were you there, Marco? I lived in New York eighty nine and ninety. Eighty eight and eighty nine. Right around in that. What? Yes. We I'm were there saying. at the same time. Were we? Oh. Where did you live? I, was I lived ninety two. Oh my gosh. I lived on the Upper West Side, 78th, 72nd. And I lived on um That's where Jacob's moving. Is right he? There. Oh my gosh. And I oh my god, I just forgot the name of the street in the village. Ah, I'll think of it. It's just off Bleecker. It was a like one block. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot it right now. But I lived in this little, you know, studio part studio apartment above a restaurant. And mm, I loved it. I work for your, I worked for Pierre de there. <gasps> That's right. I re- on 74th oh, and Madison. The most gorgeous shop in the world. It was. Of course it was you gorgeous. Did. Wow. Bar- I couldn't Soft afford it. Was the, was the manager and I had worked there in San Francisco and, and they wanted me to come to New York and I thought, all right, I did. That was perfect. Who was, was the great. manager? Barbara Zoft Fabosi. Oh. And her husband owned my optics stores. Hmm. on Christopher street. And, and then that, you know, the original Pierre's did not own it at the, they did when I started working there fantastically enough. Um, But they still had their, their antique store on Bleecker street. Thompson. Bleecker. The, the original Pierre did was on Tom. Oh, Thompson. Was that my street? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh. Anyway, it was wonderful. Let's see. So I lived in Carroll Gardens, Cobble Hill, and then I got my studio 
on Bond Street, 33 Bond between Broadway and Lafayette, right around the corner from CBGB's during the crack cocaine time. The day I moved into the studio was a work studio separate from my apartment and my purse was snatched that day. Oh, I have a good story about that, but I won't bore them. I'll tell you later. (laughs) They don't give up. They don't want to hear about that. They want to hear like, how do you be successful? I know we'll get there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So speaking of which, so you, you were a hardworking, you know, illustrator, and then you decided you taught a little bit, like, how did that, you started teaching and then, and then it all blossomed from there. Right. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to tell the listeners that, you know, I just wanted more than anything to make a living drawing pictures. Like I had to do that. I had to, and I knew that I couldn't be in an office setting, especially at that time. I mean, now offices are way better, but at the time it was not a great place. And for me. So I was driven to do that. And I had to make my own living. So and um, I think that right there, you wanted to make a living drawing picture. So you can fully relate to everyone that is taking your classes now, because that feels like the overarching goal. I want that for the students so badly. Yeah. And sometimes I say, Lila, why do you like, why do you care so much? Like, what is it? Why do you care, Margo, about helping people with your podcasts? <laughs> like, what is it about people I that just, just really want to help others? I just love seeing people soar. I just love it. I just love seeing them realize they have a talent they didn't know they had, mm-hmm. or they have an ability to share it and change somebody else's life that they didn't know they were already maybe even doing. I just I love watching that happen. You know, and I guess for me too, it's like, well, I love with the teaching, seeing the gorgeous art, that's like, just like getting to eat everything in a wonderful bakery, all you can eat, but it's visual. But, but I think I knew how hard it was for me and I really want to make it easier for people. Yeah. Yeah. Give them all the tricks, the tips, the everything I tried to figure out. So you shifted from illustrator to agent agent yeah and it was because you were working with a few people right that you saw hey yeah so i taught in san francisco i taught at parsons like one class while i was freelancing and illustration and um i had always taught i taught middle school when i was right out of college art which i learned everything yeah (laughs) if you can do that you can motivate those crazies who have one right here should not be in school (laughs) they should be like okay i won't go on my rant on that but (laughs) they should be helping seniors picking up litter Mm -hmm. like working in bike repair you know they should they just want to be in real world yeah and they're just not meant to sit in a classroom it's like wrong but until i'm queen of the world um (laughs) i guess i can't change that Yeah. So I was teaching these people in my studio and it's so in love with them. And then they were, they, for years, a couple of years, two, three years, they were so good. And I said, you're great. Send your work out. Are you sending your work out? Right. And Melissa Sweet was one of my students, famous children. She was a Mm -hmm. children's book illustrator then, but now she's super famous. Mm -hmm. And she said, why don't you be our agent? And it was like somebody, like time froze. It was like, yeah, you don't go from like a, a dreamy career in illustration right, where right. I was 
like people would call up art directors. We have this wonderful project. We're hoping that you'd be interested in Oh, thank you so very much. Let me think about it. And what's the budget? And mm, I'll, I'll get back to you. Now, I'm sort of exaggerating on the snob factor, but but the truth was I could pick and choose and I had more work than I could handle. So it was a great position, but I had done it for like a decade. And I had my first child, Jacob, who was six months old. And I found it really hard to get those hours and hours of uninterrupted creative time. And I thought being an agent would, first of all, like it made perfect sense. I was ha getting all this work. My students were of the same ilk as me. Um, and I could refer them, the my clients to them, get a percentage, give them a job. Yay. I mean, win-win. Yeah, super. And it's easier to focus. I think it's easier to be fully creative or fully biz. It's kind of, it's hard to switch sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I so, agree. I think finding that time, especially, I don't know, for somebody like you that was totally immersed in it for, you know, 10 years as a job, but, but more than that. And it's, it's how to be, how to keep ourselves inspired mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, in your teaching, you're always finding inspiration. I mean, you, your trend boards and things like that, you're, you're so spot on and, and ahead of it because you're, Thank you. you're looking ahead. You're, you're, you know, you have kids that make you look ahead, but that's just your, it's just your nature to, to take it all in. I mean, you guys can't see what I, Lilla has this gorgeous scarf on that's these tones of rose to mustard to beigey taupe in between and there's rose flocked wallpaper and there's a pink velvet chair and there's orange cabinets and a blue car it's just it to me it's it's the per perfect encapsulation of kind of your spirit it's your 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 aura is your is your studio behind you but I I am always impressed um at what you I mean, we, we come to it slightly differently, which I love because I, you know, everybody does, everybody has the things that they notice, but you're so generous with your sharing and it's all juicy and it's all interesting. And, and so you're Pat, so you must, do you get creative juice from that? Like, how do you come to that? You know what? I absolutely love running the two businesses, the agency and the e-course company, because I it's years ago when my mother went into business, she had been a painter mm -hmm. at the new school, studied with Stuart Davis mm -hmm. and did all kinds of stuff. And, you know, when I was an obnoxious teenager, I was like, how could you stop being, doing painting and doing business? And she was like, business is really creative. Mm -hmm. Are you listening people? And I, I, another thing I say is play business. Like it's a game mm -hmm. play business. It's mm -hmm. fun. Come up with cool, creative ideas and things. And I think it's never loosen up, right? It's, yeah. it's that practice thing that you have people do. It's just yeah. loosen up. I think for me, it's like, okay, how can I impart this knowledge to the art? What is the knowledge I want to impart? Okay, X, Y, Z. How can I do it in a really fun way? Like right now, before we talked, I'm working on my editorial course which will be out in January. And um, I, one of the things I do, like, how can I teach people 
how to come up with a concept from from text, from a manuscript, from a, a headline or subhead mm-hmm. or something. Well, I thought I'll give them the headline. And then in the chat, they can come up with their ideas. Mm, right and there. And I, I give them some prompts and help them along. And the the comments come fast and cur- furious and, and curious. And yeah. uh, then... I give them the big reveal. I show what the illustrator did. And it's such a good learning experience because you're like, oh, wow, Mm. you could do that. And that's a really good way for people to learn. It's a really, and then we do like eight of those and it, it's practice and they're practicing Mm -hmm. concepting. In other words, so if it's like, um, I can't even think of anything, but how do you show it with visuals? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, it's like hieroglyphics. So if you put that idea out there and people are responding to it in their mind first, right? it's like when you read the book before you see the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're creating it in your head. And also if I just showed them, here's a really good illustration on um, how to be creative in a pandemic or something. If I show them, okay, that's nice. They see it. But if they really had to figure it out mm-hmm. first, they're working, they're using their brain in a different way. That's gold. And it's playful. It's fun. And then they're like, oh, what's the next one? The next one. And they will remember that. Yeah. So for that, sure. When I came up with that, I'm like, yeah, this is really, it was very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. That's the creativity. So it's, what's the content I need to impart and how can I teach it in a way that is super effective, but also entertaining, engaging. I mean, you have, you're, you are competing with their phones, with Insta, with all the social media, TikTok, everything. How can you keep people riveted to your show? Basically, you know, absolutely. And I think that's, that's how you do it because you're giving people like they're surprised every time with themselves, with Mm -hmm. what they learn from, you know, with how you come at it. It feels fresh Mm -hmm. every time. Another thing is like, I give them some things and they don't know why they're drawing this thing. Right. What I call the mini. And then they get the big assignment. Like in boot camp, the first week you're going to draw maybe like the number 35 and the letter P and um, this kind of orchid. And I don't know, I'm just making this up, but like maybe some random things. And then they get the assignment. Oh, wow. It's for this. And, and so they're really excited to draw the objects. And the other thing is breaking it down. So instead of like in art school for me, and I loved art school, don't get me wrong. I, you know, have two degrees, but it would be okay design a cover for a book and go find a book you want to illustrate the cover and so you spent the whole week changing your mind a thousand times yeah. on what book and then the night before you you know <laughs> like crazy and yep, i don't yep. want that at all right I, so i give people a teensy thing that they can achieve draw this object, draw these objects. And, and, ed, and I do that in boot camp and a lot of the courses, but in yeah, home tech, in we did editorial that. class that I'm working on, they, the first week I have them draw like 
eight things and a couple of concepts, like eight nouns, objects, you know, like mm-hmm. unicorn or whatever, monkey, um, skyscraper, um, mach- factory, I don't know, whatever. And then a concept like uh, broken heart, I did whatever. Mm, that's a good one. And then, so, okay, so they do draw that. Okay, I can do that. Then they already have a lot of the iconography, the imagery. When they get the manuscript, they're 90% there. Right. Then they might pick and choose, maybe, you, you know, make the story from the objects, maybe make some new objects. And then hopefully you're, you know, subtly teaching them that they can approach any project that way. Right. You know, that's the goal. I mean, I know for in the home deck course, you know, it's mark making as the mini or it's a bird or florals. And then you have this language that you're already playing with. And when you get the full ex- assignment, you can you can just put your pieces together and just get that much better and that much deeper into it. Instead of, like you said, which I did one million times the night before, you know, yeah, syndrome. It was too much. And, and people, listeners, if you find you're working the night before and you've procrastinated all week and you're kind of disgusted with yourself, don't feel bad. It just means it's great information. It means you need to break it down into smaller and smaller parts right. until they're small enough that you can do each one and that you don't put it off. Exactly. Plus post-its. Yeah. Lots of post-its. One of the questions that I get the most is, you know, how am I ready? Which, you know, certainly people are more ready than they think most of the time. And how do I find someone? How do I put my work out there? I mean, that when they ask if they're ready. Oh gosh. Well, a lot of that to me is, is they've, you know, we, when we work in our own little studios, we we're kind of in a vacuum and, and we're, we question ourselves. And, um, I just, I ask them if I, I look at it often and usually people are so ready, certainly yeah. if they've taken your courses or other courses, because they've practiced, have you practiced every day? You know, I'm, I've talked to a few people that, you know, maybe they're not as refined as somebody else and that stops them, but there's a, st- you know, there's a, there's a place for everyone. Um, and if they're not quite ready, th- all they have to do is just keep practicing. But I would say most of the time it's about confidence. Right. Um, and, right. It, and it's about just trying, just putting yourself out there. Lila, I had someone tell me just from listening to the podcast, she was encouraged to reach out. She sent plate designs out and she reached out on LinkedIn. She did her homework and looked at for a few agents, found one has an agent. Wow. So some of it is just mm-hmm. stop procrastinating. Right. Done is, you know, perfect is it, don't be perfect because you'll never get there. Just put yourself out there. I've never been perfect at anything I've ever accomplished. No. Lord, no, that would be so boring, wouldn't it? I don't even know. No, I'd like to be perfect. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> but what is that? that? You know, whose like, standard is it? nothing better I could do, of course, or this agency, <laughs> or my illustration, it's, there's nothing more, but it, it doesn't even work that way in nature. No. So it's, that's not it. It's like, you do the best you can at this moment in time, 
and you just keep putting the work out there, move it, move it, move it, get it out. You will grow over time. There's no ready. I don't know what that means. Are you ready? I mean, if you looked at the first thing you submitted to any company, the 10 years you were working and the thing 10 years later, and they all, they all were perfect at the time. I mean, they were right at the time for that need, but you grow, we all grow. You got to start somewhere. It's that simple. You know, you may not get the coolest, most amazing job day one. That's okay. You build, you have to pay the dues. You have to build it up over time, but just get it out there. Just keep it. And you know, like if I see somebody's work, if I get an, an email or newsletter, or um, I just took an artist on that had been sending me newsletters, I think she said every two weeks and taking lots of my classes. And so when I had a moment to clear my head and talk to the team about taking on new artists, Mm -hmm. she was top of mind. Yeah. Because she put herself there. And I don't know, maybe she'd been sending, she's probably listening, probably knows who she is. She'd probably been sending them for, I don't know, six months Mm -hmm. and been in my class for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So this is not overnight. Right, right. Think of it as make a plan. Okay, I'm going to send out emails every three weeks or Mm -hmm. the first Tuesday of every month. Like make it a slot. Okay, Mm -hmm. first Tuesday. I'm going to, every Thursday, I'm going to take a bunch of pictures or videos of me making art or something or my newest piece. And then I'm going to post them on Planoly for the week. Like just make it your business and get it out there and you're going to grow. So if I see somebody's work, like you just showed me an illustrator actually. And uh, I, I thought the, I really liked the work. But for me, she's not ready, mm-hmm. but I still think she could get work Sure, while she's growing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, and I love to see, like, I'm like, sometimes I'll see somebody's work and it's not ready. And I'm like, oh, I hope they keep working and making it better and better because they have a lot of good raw stuff in there. Like, I like parts of the piece mm-hmm. or some of their illustrations. And you what know? attracts you to to somebody's work? What what are those things that you look for? Okay, you know I can't. <laughs> you know that's <laughs> well, okay, But I I <laughs> I feel like we can be kind of broad about that okay. because I feel like. All right. Um, okay, I'll start us up because okay. I feel and I've had a lot of conversations about this. People, there's people that try different things and they're all over the place because they've done this class and they've done that and and they're they haven't found their own groove. They haven't like many of your artists, some that I know well, like that you look at their site 10 years ago before, you know, they, they had a story they were telling. They were not following the norm. They were not, they were doing their own thing. They didn't, every picture didn't look the same. You know, they had their own personal brand. Really? Exactly. I think it's, it, Finding your style is really, everybody has a unique style inside of them. And then it's just a matter of by making more and more pieces and, and listening to your own eccentricity and just saying, F it, this is me, F it. I'm serious. Like literally say that a lot while you're making pieces is really good for women to 
in our culture. It's like, I don't give an F what anyone else thinks. I get all badass and all that and just keep doing it. And don't, it's a balance between like, I don't care what anybody else thinks. And, you know, is this commercially marketable? But if it's too much, is this commercially marketable? You'll lose your voice. Right. And right. is this, this is not, it's, it's not like, it's a process and it's a mix of different things. It's not like you instantly always, I don't think I, you know, sometimes I would just do personal pieces so I could really truly not care what anyone thinks like a painting. I will hang in my house. It's not for a gallery. I've had galleries. It's not for illustration. It's not for my courses. It's for me. And you really, and, and for one of them, it's, it was like gluing sort of marbles onto a canvas. Mm. Like, that's what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Really so you satisfying. Did. Yeah. yeah. And like, those things always, first of all, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what, that's what releases that next inner block. It's often what people are looking at. I love seeing what people do for a hobby while they're, doing this other thing over here they think they're supposed to be doing for work right <laughs> that's where the juice is so if i had to sum up i look for obviously a strong unique style really good drawing mm-hmm. and even if it's highly stylized it's very considered it's not sloppy or unformed i love to hear that because i never want drawing to go by the wayside it's got to be good drawing a beautiful color palette like mm-hmm. for me if the color is not great that's that's a that's kind of a mm-hmm. not good um so i i maybe i'd sum it up with that yeah. you know very evolved style the drawing the color the design of the page the imagery that's chosen to draw um is it considered you are a stylist you are, in other words, you're gathering what you choose to draw. So if you draw a person, what's their shirt look like? Right. Is it a shirt I would love to buy? You know, is right. it the boots? I'd love to, I love seeing those big hacking boots with the giant black soles yeah. and lace up on those skinny legs. Like, it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It, it, it's, it's being yourself. It's drawing your joy. It's, it's putting, fun with learning it. from people who like you, Lilla, who push that, all those things. What colors are you using? Are you drawing? What, what's the, what's the you in that? So just, Oh, and then people. lettering. Is oh, very big important. time. Yeah. And they have to draw people for me to take them on. And um, it has to be marketable. And what I mean by that is it doesn't have to be like, well, let's just say what it does have to be. So lots of kid book work, lots of home deck work, like Mm -hmm. your class we do together Mm -hmm. and the class I do with Zoe for kid book. It's editorial. Then is it for cards? We do a lot of card and Mm -hmm. it's just like fast money and projects. So it's nice for the artist. So, you know, is it, all the things I teach and now with the toy class I'm going to be doing with Riley, we're incredibly excited about expanding that 
market for our artists. And I for can't wait to see. You it's you change what's out in the market, you know. You changed because of what you teach and the artists that you put, you know, help put their work into the world. You have changed what we buy. Oh, Marco. I see it all the time and it's really I'm exciting. Wow, that's great. I do feel like we're going to I was telling Riley, you know, when I started in surface design products like trays and cups and stuff if you, that's what surface design is and all the beautiful objects at a gift store anthropology it wasn't a really gorgeous market but i thought well why not and then i saw roger labord tray mm-hmm. this was way back i'm like they were just doing the cool stuff Always. They're British, of course, yeah. you know. so <laughs> why can't yeah so why can't it be great here and um we had to really work hard and show and show and show and also get my artists to make pieces that I remember we'd send editorial pieces to, to like product people. And of course, no, that's not, they're not going to do editorial on a thing. They want like gorgeous lush flowers and, and very cool, beautiful, you know, so we had to learn too. Well, I remember the long conversations you and I had when we were dreaming up, you know, before we really solidified the home deck course. Because I remember sitting on your fireplace mantle, looking at your vases and saying, you know, in the market today, when when an art director goes and looks, walks her text or, you know, <laughs> even that was back in the day. That was, you know, yeah. a lot changes. But, you know, it was flat art. It was not people weren't showing art on product because the thought was that it would look like they'd already done that. Or, you know, instead of helping that art agent or that company visualize it and there's still nothing like that. What you mean is they might just show like a piece of art, a picture Mm -hmm. rather than drawing the cup and putting the art on top. Correct. It was just a pattern or, you know, right. a, a painting of beautiful flowers or, you know, a cat walking on a wall, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But once, once, and we had a long conversation about that, you know, would it, would it take away from that art director? Would it, would it give to, you know, what they could do? And as, you know, being that person looking for that, right. you, you know, are. You and are. going so quickly and making decisions for so many, you know, 3,500 SKUs a year. So SKUs is different products. So we, we came up with how about teaching Mm -hmm. different substrates, how to think, how, you know, all the things I would go to a factory and be like, oh my gosh, okay, this is metal. How am I going to do with it? Where can we cut it out? How can we layer it? Blah, blah, blah. But you know, that was something we decided, Hey, let's share that. That it's not a secret. It's just not something you learn in art school. I learned so much in the development of that course and then teaching it. So fun. I've learned so much from you. The five substrates, glass, ceramic, fabric, wood, metal, Mm -hmm. and all the different things. And you opened my mind to the possibilities. It's just great. It's so fun. I mean, and, and having, I get so much joy of popping into that facebook group of the class and seeing what people are doing or looking at on instagram or looking up a hashtag and seeing what people are coming up with and and i here's another question i get too you know don't you think the market's too flooded (sighs) 
you know what? There are so many people that need product companies that need design more every day, little tiny ones you've never heard of. It's just about continuing to put it out there. Well, first of all, I have two thoughts on that. If some, if it's flooded, um, sometimes people will make an, uh, a negative excuse to keep them from having to do the hard thing, which is putting your art out there. Well, there's no work. It's already flooded. There's too many great artists. I, I'm going to, yeah, it's just flooded. It's a way to not have to do the hard work of, of sending your work out or making your work better. And I hope people don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do, don't that. do that. Don't make up those reasons. I, I remember when I was an illustrator starting out, all the negative things like, oh, you know, illustra it's, uh, illustration's over or something. Like, do you just hear such crazy stuff? And, <laughs> an um, and I, but I would look at the person saying that and think, wait, your, your work is kind of, maybe you feel that about your own work. Uh, you're yeah. not really growing. You haven't changed anything and you're not getting work. So like, maybe you're not the person I should listen to. Mm -hmm. Like I want to listen to the person who's getting lots of cool gigs, look at their work and be inspired. So that's number one. And the other thing is I always, I, I thought about this years and years ago, like, wow, there are so many great illustrators. Is there room for another illustrator? Mm. Well, and it's like, <laughs> it's like if, if you, if there are great movies out and there's another great movie out, <laughs> you're not going to, well, I'm going to see my one movie of the month or like what, look at, that was a long time ago, but now you do it now with books, which are yeah, like yeah. huger than ever. And of course shows. Mm-hmm. Everybody is watching more shows than ever before. They yeah. didn't say a year ago, well, that's it. Um, people are watching one series every three months. Right. I guess one, you know, one new show series. That's it. No, people are gorging on them. They're more like everybody's getting in on the game, you know, Amazon Prime. All like everybody, Netflix, of course, did their own original programming. Everybody's doing it because it's so good. The programming is so good that people are devouring it. And it's the same with if you do gorgeous illustrations for products, you think Anthro isn't going to want to sell them and make money from that? Everybody has to have that next thing every week. We're moving forward in our business and we need more. We want beauty or we want great content or we want great experiences or, you know, we just. Why you, know, you and I quote you often on this because I remember um, 2012, I think it was, you know, what yet again, I've, I've been asked to be an agent a lot of times in my life. And because I, I just mm -hmm. so I just so love the work that I see people do. Um, and I had a conversation with you about it. And, and, and I was like, I don't know. And you said, you know, it's a big pie and there's plenty of pieces for everyone. And mm. I've, I, I just remember thinking that so it felt so generous, first of all, mm. and it felt, it was just a reminder, you know, we all have our own path to where we are. You as an illustrator, teacher, educator, you know, creative, mm -hmm. you're, I could never tell that story. That's not my story. That's not somebody over there's story. So mm -hmm. what, 
if somebody's drawing a butterfly, everyone's going to draw it differently if they're in their own mind about it because of where their path to get there. So I always remind people too, you know, just live in your own story. Right. Kind of in your own bubble. Yeah. Which we do. Like, obsess the minutia of art, of your own art making. Obsess. Oh, that's the good. Obsess and focus on your, in your bubble and, and turn off the faucet of social media for periods of time. Yeah. Because you can't think clearly if you see it too much. Turn it off and go back to your art supplies. Traditional media is great to touch and feel the materials and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's room for everybody for sure. I mean, I, I've taught so many students in mats, make art that sells. And yeah. They've gone on to other agents. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of them come to me first. Thank you. Happy to mm -hmm. say. But even if I, you know, and I can't take on everybody, and believe me, there's so many I wish that I'd taken, but <sighs> I was too busy to even think straight about taking yeah. on new artists. But, but I'm happy they're represented. Does that mean my artists will get let fewer jobs? Mm -hmm. Not at all. No. Not at all. And, um, when I take on new artists, does that take away from my existing artists? Not at all. It brings right. more energy to the agency. Right. They, the art directors look at the new person I've taken on, on the website, and then they poke around and go to everyone right. or many others on the site of my artists and, mm -hmm. and they assign. So it's about creating energy for your business or your art. In whatever and you're, way you're so good at, with energy in general. I mean, I just love how you look at energy in the universe as, as something that's equally important tool in our toolbox, you know? Yeah, you know what else too? It's like when you focus on what you're meant to be, you have no competition, like spiritually, the universe, like if I just do my thing, man, I just go about my business. I just do my thing the best I can and what feels really right, what I'm passionate about. That's the guide. Not what else somebody, you know, like I remember being in elementary school, the teacher would say, don't worry about your, what your neighbor is doing. Like the person sitting next to you in their, on their desk. And she'd say, don't, don't worry about your neighbor. I love that. It's so true in life. Like, don't worry. And it's great if other people are succeeding in illustration because it means that it's a dynamic, hot, exciting time. I love being able to build other people up along the way. And, and it's, it's all good, you know, it's all, it good. it's all good. What are your favorite things about your two businesses? I like that they're really successful. I like that they're like robust and glowy and pretty and beautiful and full of energy and delightful and um, they're good. And my staffs are wonderful. I love them both. Um, I love helping them thrive, each of them in their own unique way. I love coming up with ideas. They both are really fun. I, I love that. You know, I don't know. How long have, have you had Make Art let's, That Sells? Because that... Like eight, nine years, 2013. Can you, could you have ever imagined, Lilla? Could you have ever imagined how your life would change teaching? No. 
you never know when you do something. No. Is it a little thing? Is it a big thing? Is it, am I going to like it? Am I going to put a lot of time into it? I just, even watching you and being pretty close to, to much of it, um, even watching you from the start and just watching you unfold, Lilla, just watching you be more comfortable, you know, in front of a camera and, and not having to, you know, just saying what came to your mind. Like I, it's just been really fun to see the experiences of others based on, on just how you're being able to share your knowledge and just, you know, lean into it. It's just been so great to watch. Thank you. Yeah. It really is about passion, having fun. You know, it's, you solve whether it's a business problem or like I said, with the students, how can I get them to really learn this, learn the material mm-hmm. in a really fun, rich way? Or in my business, how can I promote my artists in a really good way that's going to excite them, that's going to provide opportunities for them, whether it's what we do in our newsletters, a different theme for the newsletters each time, or um, we do the menagerie, we do a retreat in person when we could, a residency in person when we could we beta test mm-hmm. new mats courses um and then they get they have first dibs on that and then we can promote their work first yeah. and then they'll also write testimonials for the course yeah. so that's great for selling the courses but also they then have more work in their portfolios like they'll be doing the toy my toy pitch that, that's the name mm-hmm. of the course. They'll be doing that in the spring. That course comes out in July. So, and also, I mean, to beta test, we can see if there are any kinks or blips or anything that needs to be. What are your, like, pick three favorite pieces of advice? I know draw your joy is one that people, uh, people that. buy your joy, mm-hmm. which brings it back to you mm-hmm. inside your body. Like what is passion for you? Mm-hmm. And that's going to sell. I mean, it's not quite that simple, but that's a good thing to f- think about. Stay open. It's an opportunity to learn. Good one. In other words, don't be defensive. Doesn't mean don't be discerning. Be discerning. Mm. Again, like I said, the person who says illustration terrible right. and I hate it and you never make any money. And it's, well, that is that guy's experience. So be discerning, you, you know, of, for with who you listen to. Um, but but generally stay open, see what what you can learn from others. Successful people tend to be really open to hearing information. Mm-hmm. Then they pick and choose. So true. Try to do good. Try to help others, whether it's your teaching or whether it's making your art that you put out in the world. There's a real need for beauty, beautiful things, compelling art, art that has meaning or political power. It's all yeah. good. I think you, you absolutely do that every day, Lilla. And I just appreciate that. I see it so many ways. I think, you know, I think it's tricky when, when so many people, you know, you're in front of so many people um, because everyone's going to have an opinion and everyone's going to take it in their own way, but you do, you do a lot of good. You put oh. a lot of good out there. Love you, Margo. Thank you, Willa. Great. 
Thank You're you so, so much for just spending time with me. I, I mean, Lila and I could talk for days oh. and we have, and we will continue to. <laughs> no. No. I, I always like to ask what or who is inspiring you right now? Cause it's such a crazy, you know, and it's so funny. Like, you know, we say like, Oh, 2020 is coming to the end, coming to an end. You know, it's really just one day after the next. So I always try and have a more broader, broader look, but mm-hmm. who's, who's helping you move forward and see, see brightly these days? Well, my husband, who's an ER doctor. Oh, I think of him so often a, now. Yeah. Who works in, with the underserved population in Boston mm-hmm. um, and the stories he tells us every, whenever he, when, when he comes home from a shift, um, it puts things into perspective. Mm-hmm. There's some really hurting, wounded, broken people out there. Yeah. And I never forget that. That's, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. It's so important to keep keep a pulse on the reality of life. And I think you see that every day. My sister is a ICU nurse practitioner and similar stories that I don't hear. It's so many I, you know, because that's just not how it works. But oh my gosh, I just am so grateful for those people that yeah. are making our economy tick and the, doing the things that they have to do out there. Yeah. So I'll just leave it at that one. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, my dear. Thank you, Margot Tanto, the name that's so fun to say. <laughs> Lilla Rogers, I can't wait to see what we do next. Oh, this was such a pleasure. Thank you. I was really looking forward to it because I knew your questions would be so good. <laughs> Plus, right. it's it's a way that I can just sit with you for an hour and talk. I know. We you need know, to do it more it, often. We absolutely do. So thank you so, so much. And I'm really glad that this is doing so well for you. Of course it is. Thank you. I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to, and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.